Hey guys, you got Jared Night Train Gooden here with you guys, and you are listening to Native MMA Radio. Check us out. And welcome to what is the 53rd episode of Native MMA Radio and is also the very first episode of the decade and the very first episode of year 2020. Can't wait. We have an action-packed show for you guys today. We're going to be discussing the very first show slash pay-per-view the UFC is putting on this year. And it's headlined by none other than the return of the notorious Conor McGregor taking on his longtime nemesis, Donald Cowboy Cerrone. And if you guys don't understand the back history between these two, they've literally been talking shit for about four years now. Ever since Hubby, or sorry, ever since Conor was supposed to be fighting Aldo way back when RDA still had the belt in the lightweight division and Cowboys fighting RDA for the belt. We're talking two, at least three, four years ago. So they've been going back and forth. They're finally going to get their opportunity to square off and face each other. And uh, I can't wait. The first card of the year, starting it off with a nice bang. Wally Wall, the return of the notorious one, man. How excited are you for Conor McGregor to finally to be stepping back in the octagon one more time? I'm very excited. I believe that I believe what uh, what he said about the McGregor season starting. I believe that this will be his first fight, but not his last of this year. I believe that he will fight three times this year. I believe that this is a great fight for him against Cowboy. And yeah, very excited about this. Let one. me ask you a question: If and when he beats Cowboy, who's next? Who, in your eyes, is next? If it was up to me, because I believe. The next fight should be at lightweight. It would be, I guess, just engaging. That's a great matchup. But I believe the one thing that I think is is definitely out there on the horizon, and I think there's a reason why this man has stayed quiet, especially when his title, the the title for his weight class was defended in December, and he is the clear number one contender for that title. Jorge Masvidal, I think, is the number one option for Conor McGregor if he gets past Con- uh, Cowboy this weekend. The situation there I see unfolding in front of my eyes is it's really the biggest money fight for either one of them. If you look at it from Jorge Masvidal's point of view, Kamar Usman's going to be there. No matter what happens, no matter if he gets the Conor fight or not, He's still the number one contender in the welterweight fight. He could lose to Connor, and I still believe he gets a title shot at Kamar Usman. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there, there's a, a lot there. It, for Jorge, it makes a ton of sense. And then for Connor also, outside of maybe going and boxing Pacquiao, which is an option, I think obviously boxing, as we've seen, is the bigger money. But MMA-wise, I think the biggest money fight would be a Jorge Masvidal, then followed up by the trilogy with Nate Diaz. And then I think third, the biggest money fight for him would be a rematch with Khabib. Yeah, I agree with you. There's uh, there's a lot of options. I believe that uh, the Diaz one is always a good option. I believe everybody wants to see that fight. Like yeah, nobody... It sells itself, you know what I mean? Like you really, you don't have to put too much effort into getting the fans hyped about that. 
they've yeah. already had two tremendous fights. The third one sells itself. Yeah. So that this is, it I believe, a happen. great fight. It yeah. needs to happen. They're one and one. Uh, a lot of people say that Connor lost both those fights, but there are a good majority of people like myself who've seen that Connor won that second fight and uh, who are very interested to see on what both of these guys would look like at 155 pounds. Yeah, I agree with you. I believe uh, the fight sell, uh, sells it for itself. There's so, listen, there's so many options. But Masvidal, Nate number three, and uh, Gagey, I believe those are the three more realistic ones. I don't believe that he can fight for the belt against uh, Kamaru Usman Kamaru. or Habib. Okay, so listen, Okay, out of the two... Who do you think is the easier matchup for Connor? Listen, so first of all, they uh, they kind they are kind of the same. So this is the first so thing. One like, guy's got fifteen pounds on the other. Yeah, Connor is, I believe, a little small for welterweight. I believe uh, Kamaru Usman will pick him up and you know slam him to the ground very easily. I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen, but you know. When you see what happened with Habib, I would say that that's what go is going to happen against uh, Kamaru. Uh, I prefer to see that Habib fights. I believe uh, it's it's one maybe the biggest. It can be one of the biggest rivalries in the history of this sport. I, I don't I, see I what. I love the Habib fight. One more time. I don't understand him even wanting to go to welterweight. If you ask me. He gets fucked up by Jorge Masvidal. And I, I'm going to say it here first. He is not big enough. Like you said, he is not big enough for the welterweight division. Yeah. He's barely a 155-er. You know this, this is a guy who started his UFC career at 45. Yeah. We're talking about 25 pounds up at 7. And we, and we saw some great fighters too small for their division. Remember when Nate Diaz fought against uh, Rory McDonald? Yeah. Like, he, yeah, he looked like a, his little son. Like, he was just slamming him. Like, he was like a, a man against a kid. And listen, even uh, even that fight against Masvidal, I believe that Masvidal looked way stronger than Nate. When you saw him, that he slammed him, you know, well, uh, many times. Well, another guy yeah. moving up, and he might be too small for that weight class, is uh, our good friend Ben's favorite fighter, John Volante, is going up to the heavyweight division. Oh, that's not good for him. Yeah, I don't think I, when I seen that he's fighting Ben Rothwell in the heavyweight division, I was like, that is not a smart move for John Vallon. I mean, we could all be wrong, but yeah, uh, I, I don't I'm, see him as a heavyweight. Listen, except for John Jones, who should move to 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 heavyweights, nobody should move to heavyweights. No, people should cut no. weight. People should cut weight and try to, but in a healthy way, try to be. To become like um, listen, the, there's some people the killer who gorilla. Go to heavyweight, okay? So, like, like you just said, the killer gorilla. He went from the heavyweight division to light heavyweight division to now at the middleweight division where he's found his home. Yeah, which um, is there's maybe a couple the, the, of guys. the scariest like a middleweight fighter right now. Maybe agreed, agreed. Him and yeah. Jeff Neal. Oh, Jeff Neal's a welterweight. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But anyways. I think if you really look at the landscape of it, there's probably one or two key guys from light heavyweight who could move up. There uh, is, yeah. Latifi, Amir Latifi. I could see him moving up. And uh, his teammate. He moved up, I believe. I believe Gustafson. Latifi moved up. I believe Latifi moved up. I could see Gustafsson going to heavyweight. 
Uh, Gustafsson is tall, and you know, maybe yeah, it will be good for him. him. Yeah. But Latifi, I believe he's too small for heavyweight. In size, way short. like uh, he's, he's too short. short. Yeah, it's yeah very I too could short. see that. I could see that being an issue. I, I believe Latifi is uh, moved up to heavyweight. I believe, if I'm not wrong, I believe I read that in I don't know where, but uh, I believe he moved up a weight class. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll find out. It will. Uh, it will be very intriguing. Honestly. I like Latifi a lot. I thought when he lost to Corey Anderson, it was the perfect time for him to move up. Uh, he didn't quite do it at then. I think he took another fight and lost that one also. But before yeah. that, before losing to Corey Anderson last December, he was on a tear. Yeah, he's very dangerous. Heavy hands, you know, very great tough wrestling. fight. Yeah, great wrestling. Like in, that's, in a... that's the base, really. You know what I mean? It, it, everyone tries to deny it, and, and especially jiu-jitsu guys sometimes try to deny it. But yeah. it really, it is what it is. Wrestling is the best base for a mixed martial artist, period. In a perfect MMA world, we would have that fight against Latifi against DC and, the you know, DC against Glover Teixeira. In a perfect world, we would have that those fights. But, you know, it is what it is. No, for sure. The two guests we have on this episode, because I haven't even mentioned them yet, because we're just going on a tangent about Connor real quick. We got yeah. Jared Nitrain Gooden, who was the most interviewed fighter of 2019 on this show right here. I believe we got him in five times. We had a lot of fighters come in four times, but Jared was the only fighter who we got in five times. He said he wants to try to do seven this year. We'll get into that more later. And then also on this weekend's UFC 246 card, we have the Colombian queen herself, Sabina Mazo, taking on JJ Aldrich. We can't wait for Sabina to join us again. We have already talked to her before on this show, and we can't wait to get her insight for her preparation on what could arguably be her toughest opponent to date. Yeah, I agree with you. And if not toughest, at least her, you know, Big, her, her most like veteran challenge. I don't know how to word that better. Yeah, I see what you. The fighter with the more experience that she's fought. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I took a dab before this. <laughs> Keep rolling. <laughs> All right, guys. But anyways, Wally Wall and I are gonna be here real quick. We are going to get into a quick interview with Jared, and then Wally Wall is gonna be right back. We're gonna do some current events. And then uh, we'll be back with some more Native MMA radio. This is Sabina Mazo, and please listen to Native MMA radio. Great show and great interviews. All right, guys, welcome back. Right now, we're going to talk about some current events and breaking news for UFC 246. Grant Dawson is saying that his fight with Chaz Skelly has been canceled. So that has actually just been dropped within the last hour on MMAJunkie.com. Uh, Dawson took to his Instagram on Tuesday saying that, I am heartbroken to report I won't be fighting this weekend at UFC 246 due to circumstances out of my control, which is putting a little bit of the blame on Skelly. Yeah. I'd like to apologize to everyone who was looking forward to this fight. We are working with the UFC to get my bout rescheduled as soon as possible. Thank you for your patience during this time, and I hope to have news very soon. So again, Chaz Skelly versus Grant Dawson has been moved from this weekend's UFC 246. Also a, a, a fight that was just booked. 
Kevin Lee is taking on Charles Oliveira at UFC on ESPN Plus 28. I believe that's the main event for that March headliner in Brasilia. How do you feel about Kevin Lee getting the nod Listen. against Charles Oliveira instead of Khabib's teammate, Islam Makachev? So, like, uh, I wanted to tell you about this matchup, like, uh, last week, I believe. I thought that would be a great matchup, but then they made it. And Charles Oliveira is uh, the, the UFC fighter with the most submission wins, right? I don't know, yeah, he had uh, that, that UFC record. Kevin Lee, uh, I believe maybe the UFC rushed him too quick when he fought against uh, Tony, uh, Tony Ferguson for that uh, interim belt. Right now, he's... And that, that was kind of an unfortunate situation. He was really the only one available at yeah. the time. But, you know, it didn't give him time, really, to, to, to learn, to have, to, to have more skills, you know. But after that fight against Gregor Gillespie, he looked amazing. Uh, this fight against Charles Oliveira, and if after that he fights against Islam Makachev, like he will, he will be the guy who defeated the three most maybe dangerous fighter, not being the, one of the top two in that division. They are like nobody wants to fight them. Nobody wants to fight any of them. No, most definitely. There's a lot of tough matchups out there. Uh, some other key matchups that have been made around the MMA world here in the last couple of days. Uh, Juan Archuleta and Henry Corrales have been added to that Bellator 238 card here next weekend in Inglewood. Also, Ava Knight will be making her second MMA fight after a phenomenal boxing career that she's had. Raymond Daniels is coming back to fight Jason Knight that same night. A bunch of other great matchups. I know uh, off the top of my head that the Patricio Pitbull versus Pedro Cavallo fight has officially been set. So that Bellator featherweight title fight has been set for March 13th in Connecticut. Also on that card, Emmanuel Sanchez will be taking on Daniel Weichel. So the featherweight Grand Prix will be concluded March 13th. At least the second round will be going on to the next round after that. The only person so far to advance is the undefeated A.J. McKee, who has looked phenomenal in this featherweight uh, tournament here. March 7th, the UFC 248 yeah. pay-per-view officially added has been Max Griffin versus Cowboy. Alex Oliveira. I, I really like that fight for Max Griffin. I feel like it was something that he needed. Uh, he's been going up against killers and unfortunately has just been on the unfortunate end of that whole situation. Also on that Brasilia card that we talked about the headliner being Kevin Lee and um, Charles Oliveira. Charles Oliveira, sorry. Gilbert Burns is going to be taking on Damian Maya, our good friend Ooh. Gilbert Burns. So that is a phenomenal grappling matchup between the two. Gilbert Burton's entire family is just full of black belts. His brother, yeah. his wife, his kids are on their way. I mean, just amazing grappling background in their family. And then another huge return, April 18th in Brooklyn, New York. The UFC's 249 former strawweight champions face off against each other in a rematch of last year's title fight where Rose Namajunas lost her title to one Jessica Andrade. With Rose finally coming back, how do you feel like this time off will have done for her? Do you think it would have hurt her fighting career, or do you think it's going to help it? Um, I, don't, uh, I don't know. 
I believe that she didn't she didn't take that that big of a layoff. Like we had fighters taking more than that. I believe that she was hot, really hot in that MMA scene, you know, because she was becoming really a superstar. I believe that. Well, yeah, she took out Juana twice, and yeah. after she did that, I really feel like her career was about to just skyrocket. Yeah. Then she lost that fight where uh, in the first round she looked great. And then she got slammed to the ground and, you know, like, uh, we, uh, we escaped a, a, a fucking death that night because that slam was very scary. Like, she couldn't fall off, you know, fall on, on her neck and, you know, God forbid, yeah. yeah thank sure. God, like, nothing happened, you know. But, uh, yeah, it, it, looked too, it, looked, uh, it looked, like, very scary. But, uh, anyway, uh, she, having her back is great. I believe that she will still be the great striker that she is. I believe that she will still be the great, you know, fighter that she is. And uh, that rematch for her against Jessica Andrade will be good for her if she gets the wins the win of course i feel like the same like you were just saying just to reiterate your point she was winning that entire first fight between the two of them up until the moment she got slammed on her head and it was over from that point and uh people are gonna say it was a lucky slam uh really i think if rose would have just let go of the submission hold that she was going for she would have honestly probably not have landed so hard on her head and probably could have been able to continue that fight. And the problem is, if you remember, it happened two times. Like, she got slammed two times. The first one, like, she escaped. Yes. Like, did nothing happen. But, you know. Don't. Well, she let go of the submission. Yeah. The second one, she held on to the submission and got her head slammed in. Yeah, don't play with fire. <laughs> For sure. Also, interesting news has surfaced yesterday. Anthony Showtime Pettis is planning on suing USADA for an injury from his hand while providing a urine sample an hour before his UFC 241 fight. Yeah. Now, how do you feel about this situation? He obviously cut his hand on a container. Yeah. How do how does USADA not check the containers for sharp edges? I think that would be something that they should do ahead of time before they hand it to a fighter just just to make sure something like this doesn't happen. So before his fight with Nate Diaz, he has a huge gash on his hand. And now he is preparing to sue USADA for a, what I'm guessing is a big payday. Yeah. I don't know if, if uh, he will get a win after suing them, but there, there were really some problems in this first one is it was his second uh, test that he needed to take like in just an hour before the fight which is you know doesn't make really sense the second thing is he shouldn't be the one who opened the bottle or the container wherever he needs to put his urine in like he no, yeah for it's sure. not it's not up to him so yeah he got caught in 2020 i mean goddamn we gotta have something that holds this goddamn container too yeah and the way... Like, we really can't have something set up for a guy. I understand for a girl it's a little different. Yeah. But for a guy, it's a lot easier if you have some little contraption that comes over and you just pee right above the toilet, put it in the fucking thing, move the contraption over, piss the rest in the toilet, call it a day. Yeah. I don't know about well, how why they do it like that, but, you know... Uh, it was weird. They handle it weird, I believe. They told him to. They will glue it. Then they, if he wants stitches, he will get stitches. But they will. It was like a, I don't know. It was mayhem. Didn't make any sense. So an exact quote from Pettis, which talks about your gluing situation. He said, "So for the fight, I couldn't warm up. 
because if I had punched, the glue would break open. I couldn't grapple. Obviously, my hands cut, so I'm out there with no warm-ups. And as you can see it in the fight, uh, it was a perfectly training camp. I felt so good. I go out there, and I shit the bed. I was in my head for that entire fight. I used the wrong energy again trying yeah. to knock him out. Yeah. It was weird. They mess, it messed up with his head. The, that's that's one. Two, like, if he said that just after that fight, like, he looked like, you know, the guy that will just want, you know, have, you know, the reason why he lost. But in this, way, in this uh, you know, contest, like, uh, he waited, to, you know, he really think about it, and he knows it was fucked up. And Duke Rufus didn't even want him to fight against Nate when that shit happened. So, I don't know. Uh... If he wants to Pettis told ESPN, Pettis told ESPN that he and his team plan on suing USADA for causing the gash in his hand, and it affected him on his on him entering that fight. Um. So going on more into it, 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 it says right here, the rules are that the person administering the test can't touch the bottle, the glass bottle that we put it in. So I had to touch the glass bottle. I had to close it, Pettis said. I gave them the piss test before, so this is my second piss test of the night. And closing the glass top, something with like a jagged edge on it or something. Yeah. And it gashed his hand. It's crazy. I really believe it's crazy. It's a, it's a situation that everything since you saw it has been in the game you've never seen anything like this and i think it's going to totally change the whole process of administering your people. and don't forget something like before that fight showtime was the guy who ko'd wonder boy so if he won against Nate Diaz, a lot of moments yeah okay. he could have very easily been in the welterweight title thank you like masvidal or the welterweight title or you know one fight and then get to that uh title fight would be big oh, showtime versus masvidal we'd be talking about that right yeah now. for sure 100 percent. and you know he did he didn't bitch about it just after the fight it took some time he really think about it and uh, yeah, I believe that this is uh, something that we because shit, we can say. Fought, shit about when it. did he fight? When did he fight Nate? Uh, I believe it was in uh, uh, August. I believe in August. So now here we are, January, almost you know four or five months later. Yeah. You're right. You know what I mean? He didn't come out yeah. right away. He really thought about this, and he really understood the circumstances he understood you know what could go happen what could go wrong with going at usada like this yeah because he's really going against the system at this point usada has been put in place by the ufc to really make things better and this is the one situation where they're really fucked up they really it, you they, you can't put any blame on anyone else no. uh, a postage delivery driver not the fighter themselves not fucking the people at the lab this was a USADA problem. The person that you was administering your test should have checked the goddamn container for a jagged edge before you hand it to a fighter. I mean, the rules got to be a little different. You got, I don't know. I understand not wanting anyone to touch the test. You, the fighter, wanting to be able to open the test and, you know, put it in there yourself. But 
there, there's got to be some changes. This is a situation where it could have been very, very bad. Yeah, I agree with you. And I believe, like, uh, and to be fair, I believe... Imagine had we lost that fight that yeah. night. Imagine. And then, you know, will they do that for Conor McGregor? I don't think so. For other fighters, they won't do that. They they won't disrespect him like that. Don't forget that Showtime is a former UFC champion. And, uh, you know, you need to show some respect for those kind of fighters. And uh, having them taking two tests, you know, I'm it all about, you know, taking tests. Yeah, but, you know, no, this is too much. And this is un unnecessary. Yeah, when, when to the point is it too much testing? Yeah, I don't know. When, when are we testing our guys too much? I believe the, the fighters may know better than us when, when it's too much. And in this case, it's very, it's too much, yeah. This is the type of situation where a fighter's union would be the best situation of all because you could just go to your union rep, but, hey, bro, look, this is what happened the night of the fight. I cut my hand on their container. What do you, What do we do? I don't know. I really don't know. It, it's going to be it, – it'll be a situation where I honestly think within the next decade you're going to see a fighter's union. They said that uh, many, many times, and I don't know. I believe that uh, having an agent like Am Ali Abdelaziz, even though I hate the guy, is good for a fighter, you know, if you get... Well, yeah, Abe, Abe Kawa, who is uh, Showtime's manager, is another great one out there who's, yeah. you know, just like Ali, they, they hate each other, so don't say that they're identical. Yeah, they are Abe. He's just like Ali in the, situ in the circumstances where he will do whatever it takes for his fighters. And I, I believe Ali does the same thing. And if anybody is out there and is going to tell me that Ali does not take care of his guys, show me the proof, and I'll show you all the championship fights that his guys have been in that probably didn't even deserve. Yeah, I agree with you. No, Ali will, will even fight for his guys. Like, for, about that, like, no. I respect him for that. I don't like him. And he's even said, too, if his guys don't have sparring partners, well, guess what? He's putting on fucking pads and we're sparring. Yeah, that's good. No, 100%. Uh, anything else for current events there? Uh, I have nothing in mind, believe me. Excelente. So I am going to cut it here. I know earlier we said we were going to cut to a Jared Gooden interview, but I lied. Now we're going to cut to this Jared Gooden interview. And then after the Jared Gooden interview, Walid is going to join me again, and we are going to discuss UFC 246 live with the T-Mobile Arena, the return of the notorious one, Conor McGregor, fighting Cowboy Donald Cerrone, the man who has all the records. But uh, like I said, we'll get into that next. This is Casey Kinney, and you're listening to Native MMA Radio. All right, guys, joining me at this time, one more time, the man who joined me the most out of any fighter at all of 2019. The number one interview fighter of this show, Mr. Jared Nitrain. Good. And how you doing, Mr. Nitrain? Man, I'm doing great, man. I've been blessed, man. How are you? I'm doing very well, sir. It's been a minute since we talked last. We talked right after your Marcel Stamps uh, fight. Actually, for what the people don't know, we actually did this interview yesterday. It just got messed <laughs> up, so we're going to redo it. We're going to run it by one more time. It run so it back, nice baby. We're going to do it twice. I like that. I like that. So nice. We're going to do it twice. Yeah, I, ironically, that it happened this way because you and I had talked about the Contender Series yesterday, and you said that it was something that you would be interested in. And then ironically, no more than 24 hours later, Fanside comes out with an article listing the top five prospects in the United States, or in the world, sorry, 
of who should be on Dana White's contender series next season. The very first name was this young man out of Atlanta, Georgia, named Jared Nitrain Gooden. Number one person on that list, Mr. Nitrain. I, I want to get, how, how does that feel to you? They could have picked anybody on that top five and put them first. It, 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 there was no specific order. It wasn't because, you know, your name was spelt first. There was, you were the very first person they picked on that list. How does that feel? Man, it feels amazing. You have no idea. It's, it finally feels like people are, um, what's the word, just acknowledging me. You know what I mean? And I love it, man. Like, it's, it's just crazy. It, it's still surreal to me, man. It was a couple hours ago I, I realized, or I, re- I read the article, man. It still doesn't feel like it's me, man. I keep reading the name like, Jared Gooden, who is that guy? You know? He's <laughs> off by him. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. I'm going to fuck him up. No, just <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like, it, Night Train, I mean, you have to understand, bro. Like, you're on the cusp you're right there you would like to obviously get another fight in but at this point i mean just keep doing what you're doing and you could very well find yourself in the contender series very soon thank you sir from your lips to god's ears man um yeah man like i'm, I'm always in the gym about to go to gym after this bro grind it out like I, it's funny i tell people man like people always ask me jared how do you get ready for a fight i'm like you don't have to get ready for a fight if you're always like in fight shape ready you know what i mean like i'm always in the gym we, so I have an old philosophy from my old coach. It was, um, what was it? We don't train to fight. We train, no, yeah. We don't train for a fight. We train to fight. You know what I mean? So that means you, like, if you're not in the gym you're training, don't come talk to the Exactly. Yeah. Don't come to the coach and be like, hey, I want to fight if I'm in the gym in like a week or two. You got to be in there always hustling and putting that work. And that's how I'm used to. And that's how, that's how I make this shit work, man. I love it. Yeah, 100%. Um, you got to be dedicated to do this. This isn't, I mean, Dana White talks about it all the time, Joe Rogan as well. It's one of those things, this sport is something that you cannot have one foot in and one foot out. You're going in there and you're putting your life on the line every single time you step into the cage with killers. Straight yeah. up killers. I mean, this man has described fighting someone to me before and it was like a horror film. He's like, I just want to bloody him up. Fuck him up. I do. Drop some elbows on this motherfucker. <laughs> it's funny, man, because like you just said, like this is a sport full of killers, and I'm gonna have to argue with that with you on that, man, because man, most of these I'm gonna say boys, most of these boys in my sports, especially in my division, the welterweight division, a lot of these boys, man, they uh they claim to be fighters, man, but they're they're businessmen. They're out there looking for the easiest fight they can win to get to wherever they're trying to go, not knowing when they get there, they don't get fucked up, but. These guys, these little businessmen, what they call themselves, looking for any easy fight just to get where they are. Jeremy Wells, you little bitch, you and your fucking team. But anyways, it's just like I said, I'm 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 a killer in a room full of businessmen. You know what I mean? Like, like I said, like all these businessmen, they they, they just again, they're looking for the right fight. I just want to get out there and kill somebody. I don't care who you are, don't care what you know. I know I'm gonna win. And that's all that matters. So what you're saying is there ain't no such things as halfway crooks. <laughs> Say it again for me. I said there ain't no such things as halfway crooks. Right? <laughs> he said halfway crooks. I like it. I like it, man. That's the way no, it but is. for real. It, it, it's straight up. Like, and you've obviously alluded to it. You've had an issue getting a fight with a CFFC welterweight champion, Jeremy Wells. Uh, it was a fight. I've actually watched his fights earlier today on Fight Pass. Is that something that's obviously you're interested in? What was it that broke down on his end? Him, <laughs> I'm gonna take it through a quick story, man. I ain't go. I, I don't want to hold everybody's time up. But what happened is basically, 
you know, I we petitioned for the fight, and CFSC said, hey, you know, we're going to check with him. Turns out he was like, hey, you know, we don't want to fight Jared for blah, blah, blah reasons. And we were like, basically, he was just saying, like, he don't want to fight me. And basically, he was he just putting making up these excuses. And so I was, I, I'm the kind of person where I'm going to take your excuses and use them against you. So it got to the point where I was like, you know what, bro? No matter what the fuck happens, if I fuck up, because that's what it was. He just wanted me to, he thought I was going to fuck up. If I'm going to fuck up, you know, you can take my purse. And, you, you know, I'm like, not only you get the purse. Instagram post, and then I find out that CFFC had to call me and tell me that he didn't want to uh, sign a contract. You know, I threw a little bitch fit. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Um, started going online talking shit to his coach Daniel Gracie and his bullshit team, and fuck Jeremy Wells. But um, then his coach started messaging me. This Daniel Gracie bitch started messaging me. He's like, "Do you? This is not Jeremiah's team. It's my team. I actually told Jeremiah to take the fight." I mean, blah blah blah. And so right then and there, I'm like, "Dude, your own coach told you to take the fight." And you didn't do it. So that's funny. Like, you asked me what, what broke down on his so part. In defending his fighter, he mentioned to you that he told his <laughs> fighter to take the fight. 100%. Does he not know who Night Train is? You're just adding fuel to the fire there, sir. Exactly, man. So, like, man, you know, you, it's funny. I got so mad at that that, um, you know, I started hitting up Jeremy Wells and he got to the point where he had to block me. <laughs> I think that's so funny. Him and his coach had to block me, man. Like, no, like, I don't know. That's some bitch shit to me, man. Like, I fuck a bitch on a, like, on a one-night stand and don't talk to her again. She blocks me. You know what I mean? That's, that's, the, kind of, that's the kind of petty bullshit bitch mode I'm putting you guys in. Y'all that petty. Y'all are petty enough for me to fuck y'all move on. <laughs> I mean, he could have just, just fought you and beat you, and then he wouldn't have to hear from you again. Right? You never know. You never know, man. That's, that's why I love the fight game, man. But um, I went in there and I would have raped him. But he knows that. That's, that's, why, <laughs> that's why I love this shit, man, because, like, not only, like I said, his coach, his teammates, his loved ones, they were all telling him to take this fight, but he knew on such a cellular, on a cellular level that he couldn't beat me. That's why he didn't take that. And I love that shit, man. Like I said, he's bitch made. I'm nigga made. You know what I mean? I'm real, I'm real nigga all day. So I just want to fuck him up. He escapes me once. He won't escape me twice. I promise you that. No, for sure. I mean, that that's something he's kind of got a target on his back now. As you said, CFFC said they would take the fight. His... Own coach said own he would coach. take the fight. So pretty much everybody but Mr. Jeremy Wells did not sign on that dotted line. Outside of that, uh, there was a pretty interesting video that broke the other day on Instagram, I believe. And I thought it was yours, actually. And, and when I was watching it, I watched it. I was watching it. I was like, ooh, man, look at my boy Night Train against Mike Perry. He's fucking doing his thing against Perry. And the, there's Night Train talking his shit, getting in Mike Perry's <laughs> head, getting Mike Perry to want to go. You know what I mean? And then I squirrel yep. down. And it was Mike Perry that posted that shit. I was like, oh, that is awesome. That is fucking that great. That's some awesome fucking... I mean, because Mike Perry, he's there, man. He's there. He's on the yep. biggest show of them all. He's one of the biggest names out there. I mean, he, he could literally just go in there and lose, and people still know who he is and still talk about him. Hell yeah, man. Dude, I love I love my boy Mike, man. He's, he's a fucking killer, man. He's... Man, you know what he is? He's a wild man, bro. He's he's wild, and I fucking love him, man. But you know what's funny? As, as wild as he is, man, that man knows a lot, a lot, a lot. Like, I, like after that sparring session you were talking about that you saw us in, man, it's on, on mine and his Instagram. It's just like, dude, like, he, like I remember there's a picture we took later that, that day, and it was after him mentoring me, you know what I mean? Just telling me stuff just like, 
man, I ain't gonna get into what he told me, man. But it's like seriously, it was just like some how do you, man, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, man. Just some outer world experience while he was talking to dude, and it was just like crazy. Because I hope this doesn't sound bad, man. But like, I don't know. From I never met Mike Perry, so I went down to Fusion XL, and to me, Mike Perry always seemed like that wild man, just crazy wild. You know what I mean? But like, and again, I hope this doesn't sound disrespectful. I never thought I'd actually learn anything from him, but damn, that like he's so smart and intelligent and such a great fighter on such a level, man, that it blew my mind away, man. And like, I really look up to him. I, look, I really look up to everybody down there at Fusion XL. I'm glad they made me a part of their family. And dude, I just fucking love them, guys. Now, you you spent a little bit of time out there at Fusion, correct? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to go down again right now. I'm trying to go down within the next week. Um, yeah, man, I'm training with them as much as I can. Again, they're just... Jul- Julian Williams is their head coach down there, man. And he's just... Man, a fucking genius, bro. Like, he's a wizard. The way he makes things work, I just, it boggles my mind. Is that you know the same what I mean? place that uh, Jacare's at? And then uh, they have that heavyweight, what's his name? I got it right here. Alex Nicholson, yes, baby. Yes, Alec Nicholson. EFL, <laughs> <laughs> baby. Yeah, I've seen him fight. Oh, yeah, they got a lot of good guys down there, man. Uh, ooh. Can't think of any right now being put on the spot, man. But yeah, they got Jacare, Mike Perry, uh, Alex Spartan Nicholson. Um, ooh, get my boy Bubba down there. Y'all don't know about Bubba yet, man, but y'all will. We'll man, these got a lot of. Soon. What about uh, okay. uh, in Atlanta? Down where you at? Where you at right now? You're still at X3 Atlanta. I mean X3 Sports. I got my boy um, Nasty Nate Williams, who's fighting later this month, yes, February. I've seen you post that. Yes, dude, man, my where boy Nate. He's gonna be fighting at. Ooh, the district in Atlanta, Georgia. It's called the district in Atlanta, Georgia, and it's like around Midtown. And like, it's gonna be. So, it's like the first. It's the first night NFC has ever held a fight card there. It's gonna be dope, man. So I just can't wait. Can't wait to be in my boy's corner, just cheering him on to his victory, bro. And I know Nasty Nate man is gonna make it a war. He's gonna make it a dog fight, man. I can't wait to watch. And he's fighting Ken Beverly in that Saturday, January twenty fifth. The doors open at six, and the fights start at seven. If you are not there in person, you can always catch it on FlowCombat.com, and that is Hell NFC. Yeah. One, two, three. So it's kind of easy to remember. That's so cool. <laughs> One, two, three. Man, yeah, and also got my boy Robert Hill out here with me in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Robert Hill the III, the Blue King. He's, he's actually fighting February 8th, two weeks after my boy Nate. Um, and, dude, like I said, I'm about to go down there and get beaten up by him tonight, man. Like, Robert Hill the III, that we call him the Blue King. Man, another one, another man on the rise. He's coming up behind me, man. He's uh, at 155. I love how, like, it's funny. You got me at 170, and my boy Robert at 55, and my boy Nate at 45, man. Like, we're taking out those three divisions, man. <laughs> like, we're running shit here, man. I love it, bro. Who else do you guys have out there that maybe we don't have our eye on quite yet? Um, Eli Winter. Eli Winter is a monster. I fought him, I believe that was my 11th pro fight. And we went, we, we went to the – he took me all three rounds, and he's one of the rare fighters to do that. And uh, man, anybody knows me know I hate the judges, man. I hate going to judges. I love oh, the yeah, judges. You have what twelve finishes in your career? Yeah, eleven, man. Oh, wait. is that? Yeah, did you include stamps? I was gonna say it might. It is twelve, I believe. Oh shit, it is twelve. I, I appreciate 12. you, man. I got you. It is twelve. Oh, man. I got you. Thank you. <laughs> hey, my excuse is I'm a fighter. I get hit hit in the head a lot, but that's why I don't remember yeah. things, man. Man, we, remember we were talking yesterday about forgetting people's names, man. Somebody can tell me their name right now. Right. Let two seconds go by. I'd be like, what's your name again? <laughs> and, and then another yeah. thing, too, all the guys you finished before you even walked in the cage with them. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, 
Man, I don't know if y'all can see him up there. I got right there. Oh, it's a tiny, a tiny little image. That's Muhammad Ali up there, baby. That's my image. Got my boy Mike Tyson next to him. But Muhammad Ali, man, he's known for beating up fighters before they even step into the ring, man. That they were already broken. Fair. I love that. Exactly. People don't know this shit, man, but fighting is 80% mental. 80% do you, do you think Rampage went to the octagon and had like chains around his neck for no like reason? Like he did this shit because he's mentally trying to fuck up his opponent. Like, hey, this dude's a badass. Like, I'm not trying to Hell fuck yeah. I got a chain and shit. He don't got a real necklace. He's got a chain. The fuck? That's Yo, there's something wrong with this motherfucker. He don't even got a pin it on it. He just got a lock. He don't Man, even he got the key. He don't even have the key. <laughs> he said he didn't have the key. Remember, he would howl, too. That shit was weird as fuck. Yeah, oh! Yeah. Oh! That was okay. So I, I went to the Bellator show. We talked about this yesterday. I went to the Bellator show in L.A., and I seen all kinds of people. Nate Diaz, uh, fucking everyone you could think of. T.J. Dillashaw. Like, I stopped and talked to him for a couple of minutes. And then uh, the only person where I got starstruck was Rampage, man. It, Rampage Jackson is literally like the reason why I started following MMA was because of him. Like what he was doing in his pride days when he was fucking slamming people. Like somebody showed yeah. me that and I was like, what the fuck is this MMA shit? Let me see. Oh, yeah, man. And Rampage was Chuck was in the UFC and he was fucking shit up. So I would, then I started watching the UFC a lot because that was a lot easier for us to get in America compared to Pride, to where you had to know somebody who had the cassettes and shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you remember? Hell yeah, man! <laughs> VHS days, man. <laughs> exactly. And then, I love uh, that shit. So and then the Ultimate Fighter came out, and then I was fucking emerged into this sport, and I fucking just fell in love with it. As you should, man. Like, I don't know, man. Fighting is, I tell people, fighting is a universal language. You know what I mean? Like, when the, the reason I say that is because, like, man, there's there's people at my gym that don't speak English, and I don't speak, I speak a little Espanol, not that much. But, um, <laughs> yo, Hola, hablo, mamacita. Hey, oh, como estas, mamacita? Hey. <laughs> I know a little bit. Hey, I'd be like, I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> he said two eight more. I'd be like, uh, ooh, what is it? Uh, y tu muy bonito. Ooh, get it, night show. Oh, you know, say very pretty. I got some, but um, you know what I'm? Oh, oh, I love, I love my Hispanic mamas out there, bro. <laughs> I speak a little Spanish, but no, like I was saying, fight universal language because there's some people at my gym don't speak a lick of uh, English. And I know a little Spanish, not that much, but we all know how to fight. You know what I mean? Like it's just embedded into our DNA. So I'd be like, throw this jab, flop every time they know how to throw it. Throw this cross, flop. Like fighting is a universal language, man. That's and that's why I love fighting, man. Like. Dude, everybody's been doing this cave caveman times, bro. <laughs> Even maybe before that shit. Hundred <laughs> percent. Like uh, Song Yedong is one of the top, I believe, featherweights in the UFC right now, and he speaks no English and he trains at uh, Alpha Male with all those guys. And I don't think any of them speak Chinese or Korean or whatever it is. Yeah. And it, oh. like you said, it's fighting's a universal thing. You don't need to know how to speak to each other to understand yep. what I want you to do or you know what I mean like like Matt Hamill Matt Hamill yep. was deaf he couldn't hear yep. you at all like the best he could do was read lips but he knew how to fight when you, yeah, you did. Know, double jab he knew what the fuck you were talking about I was, I was just watching the ultimate fighter that he was on uh, last night because I, I periodically just go rewatch them old bitches because I miss that shit yep. and they need to bring it back and Night Train should be on it and he could be bam 
But anyways, we'll get into that later. <laughs> but yeah, it's a universal language and you don't need to, you know, like I said, speak the same language to understand what you guys are trying to do. Even if it, in the terms of grappling, it's the same thing. Striking, the same thing. It's it's a universal language. It's beautiful. 100%. Quick, 100% real quick. How dare you bring up the greatest fight of all time and not give him that respect? We're talking about the only man to beat John Jones, man. <laughs> You know, Matt yeah, Hamill, you baby. Are, you are correct. The only man that holds a victory holds a victory over him. I would not say that he victory, beats right. John Jones, but he holds a victory he didn't beat, over John Jones. <laughs> that so, one okay, of y'all people. Let, let me ask you a question. Is John What's Jones up? the greatest fighter that we have of all time? No. Who is? That's bullshit. Greatest fighter of all time? Man, in my eyes, it has to be GSP. Okay. GSP man, like that's somebody that you really you can't argue about because if that's something that you said, or even if you said like Mighty Mouse, you could even make some exceptions for Pin for what he did in the early years. Uh, Very true. There's a lot of these guys where you know there's no arguments to it, and, and GSP is one of those guys. Especially Who's your guy? Uh, I would have to go with Jones. E- even if you took away all the outside bullshit, he never loses his title. He still hasn't lost the title. Never has. He's went through our legends, our guys who are, you know, doing it right now. Coming up, yeah. And the guys who are coming up. Yeah. <laughs> true. <clears throat> Very true. Eventually, he's going to step over and fight the greatest heavyweight of all time, Stipe Miocic. After he that. does that, and if he beats Stipe... Even if he just edges out a decision victory over Stipe, it, it, it's hard not to argue. I mean, it's hard not to put him there. He's done pretty yeah. much everything. When GSP came back and won the middleweight title, that really, you know, he's a double champ now. That that something that that's another fucking thing to legitimize his legacy, which was already outstanding for what he did in that welterweight division. Whew, that guy, I mean, just if you look at the level of competition that he ran through, it's ridiculous. No, for real. Like, like Man, he like, literally made John Fitch go to Bellator. Yeah, I love that shit. Yes. He messed up John Fitch, even Josh Koscheck. I love yeah, that yeah, jab. Josh Koscheck, <laughs> it was never the same. No. Man, like, yeah, he beat a lot of people that were never the same. Even, um, like, Tiago Alves, in a way, who wasn't really the same after he lost. Like, he was on a, like, Tiago Alves was on a streak. Yeah, UFC 100. Yeah, and then he got beat by GSP, and like he was kind of like teetering, or uh, he still is kind of teetering. But yeah, man, like, but G- like, GSP like said, really like he fucking put it on him, and people didn't like his style, but that's what made him so dominant and so good was that he had that wrestling background, and he was able to establish that dominance over everybody. And if you got it, why not use it? Oh, Khabib's oh. doing it. Wait, 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 wait! I'm gonna stop you right there. GSP doesn't have a background in wrestling. He didn't start wrestling until MMA. Oh, well, no shit. Well, there you go. That's just crazy that shit, bro. Good. Dude, so what I, what I love about GSP, look, this is why I say he's the greatest fighter of all time. This motherfucker, uh, what is it, GSP never does wrestling until MMA, and he got so good at wrestling that the Canadian, uh, Canadian Olympic team asked him to fucking join. What the fuck? But like, dude, dude, dude. Who gets so good? Never doing it before, and they're like as a child, and then who gets so good that the Olympic team of your country asks you to fucking join? That's that's some amazing that's, shit. That's amazing. That's literally.
probably the greatest, uh, I, I couldn't say accomplishment, but almost like a, Is that an accolade? Yes. Uh, I, 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 yeah. You would call it an accolade. I mean, you could call it an accolade, but you never trained it as a kid. You didn't grow up on it. You didn't do it nope. in high school. You didn't go to college in it. Well, you did it when you started training for MMA and your country asked yeah. you to be part of the best. That's awesome. That, that's fucking Dude. pretty amazing when you say it out loud like that. You know what I mean? I'm trying to tell you, man. This is why I love GSP, man. The things this man has done is just insane, bro. And like that's like I said, like he's to me, he's the greatest fighter of all time. And and yeah, and only because that's it's only if you count out John Jones as bullshit outside the cage. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that's like because again, as a professional fighter, we sadly we have that shit. You know what I mean? We got to help conduct ourselves inside and outside the cage. But like inside the cage, John Jones is untouched. Pretty much, you know what I mean? He's yeah, fucking phenomenal. Outside of running into pregnant ladies with his car and doing cocaine all the time and getting popped oh, for steroids, he's literally the greatest fighter of all time. It's just those <laughs> three little things that Man, fuck look, it all up. I ain't gonna tell. I ain't gonna lie to you, bro. You know the one thing that obsessed me about that that him hitting the pregnant lady thing. The one thing that upset me about that entire fucking whatever, like the the whole thing about it was to hear that he went back. Just to get his coke and leave again. Like what the fuck? You remember like the he left, he ran, he ran like a bitch. That's what no, he did me. I was like, man, you could have at least checked on her. Oh yeah, but no, no, exactly. Look, because he left the scene. Like, hey, you're good. You're good. Okay, bye. <laughs> okay, look, it's, it's so crazy, man. Like he he leaves the scene, comes back to get his coke, and then leaves again. Like what the fuck, dude? Like, dude, at least check on her. But like, hey, bitch, you all right? You're not dead. Your children not dead, right? All right, let me go. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Really good coke. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good coke, man. <laughs> what is that? That's, uh... You couldn't just hit the same guy up and got some more. Like, hey, bro, listen, I got in a car accident. I left it in the car. Can you bring me some more? But, you're, you're fucking John I... Jones, bro. You could have got some more coke. That's all I'm saying. Oh, he, That's I, all I'm saying. <laughs> he's, he didn't want. I, I get. I get. He didn't want it to be there for the cops. No, for sure. You know what I mean? That's that's what that's all it was. And I agree with that too. Yeah, go back and get and throw away your coke, man. But don't do don't don't check on the fucking person you hit. You know what I mean? Well, nah. See, like, listen, like uh, I've been educated in these situations my entire life. My dad always trained me. Like, listen, you get the drugs fuck out of the car first, okay? Then you rub. <laughs> so thank you, Dad. You took me to all the movies that I should have seen in the right point in time in my life. And Training Day taught me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but dead ass, man. That's how I was raised, man. Get rid of the drugs, then leave. You know what I mean? Like that's 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 basic druggie one hundred and one. <laughs> Los Angeles and Atlanta are not too different. Try to try to tell you, man, dude. So, you and I like to dabble in some video games, Mister Night Train. What have you been up to lately? Man, lately I've been playing this Witcher three, man. I've, I've been watching The Witcher on Netflix. God, oh, great, God. Great. Yeah, you seen it yet? Yes, I watched it all, all the episodes. Hell yeah! I think they did a phenomenal job. Of the I guy love who's the act, uh, Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I love the actors. I thought they they did yes. great. Actors were phenomenal. That Yennefer chick was sexy. Whoever actress played her, for delicious. Sure. You know what I mean? Hey, had a great figure. Yeah, even looked like Quasimodo. Look at all fuck. Yeah, y'all be looking all messed up, but I'm like, you know what? I tell people, yo, don't judge me. I gotta tell you something. This real quick. Close one eye. 
I tell people, yeah, no, I tell people all the time, whenever you get an ugly chick, this is why God invented doggy style. Just turn the bitch around. <laughs> yes. I'm serious, you man. I heard it here first. I want to look at Yo, dude. Teaching the children as they're young. Should I tell you? Yo, I ain't gonna lie to you, bro. Because, like, I had this one um, this one chick. <laughs> she made the ugly, ugly, ugliest coming face, bro. Like, she'll come to me like, ah, ah. I'm like, oh, my God. No. <laughs> turn her ass around. I had to turn her ass around. And I can still picture her face every time I heard her coming, man. She'd make the same sound. Ah, ah, ah. I'm like, no. But yeah, I'm like, oh, my God. Felt like I felt like I was in the exorcism. I felt like I was just waiting on her to throw up on me. You know what I mean? I couldn't. It was terrible. Like, hey, listen, can you wear a mask or something? <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> Never look I at me. I haven't tried this before, but there's a bunny suit in my closet. Okay, put it on. <laughs> <laughs> send that shit to me, bro. Is it pink? It's pink and blue. Oh, oh, you gotta send that shit to me, bro. <laughs> That'd be dope. I'll rock it. I'd rock it. Hey, um. What uh, have you seen that new Star Wars? Man, I'm not a Star Wars fan. Boy, wait, with that said, I, I do love the Man- Mandalorian on fucking Disney, but I'm just not a Star Wars fan. Okay, so uh, the Mandalor Disney Plus first off is fucking amazing. My man, yeah. if y'all if y'all don't know anything about Mr. Jared Gooden, Jared Gooden, if you listen to his playlist, it'll have some trap music on one part, and then. Can you feel the love tonight? The very next line. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how it gets down. The love tonight. He said, yeah, yeah, "I'm gonna get some Little John and some Elton John all in the same playlist." <laughs> dead ass though, dead ass, dude. Yeah, man, I love music, man. Like even earlier today, bro, I was at the gym doing my little sessions. You know, you had, I had that Tarzan on and shit. Huh? You know, had that Tarzan. <laughs> oh, dude. Some that was uh, what's his name? Phil Collins? Phil Collins, Hell yes. Yeah. Hell yeah, he's on top of there. Yeah, yeah you, you know. Yeah. Oh, man, the song's called, uh, ooh, Strangers, Strangers Like strangers like Me. Hell yeah, that's <laughs> Phil Collins, man. See, I don't even know the Disney songs' names, man. I'm crazy. I love Disney, bro. Hell yeah. Disney dude. Plus. Disney <laughs> Plus is a shit, man. It's been great. I've been loving just watching all the old shit. I've been turning my son on to the Disney Channel original movies. So we oh, were yeah. watching those slowly but slowly. I'm like, this this is the shit, bro. Watch this shit, all right? Yeah. I'm trying to tell you. Some of them are a little corny now that I look back on it. I'm like, hey, I don't know how the fuck I watch this shit. But he likes <laughs> it. <laughs> nah, dude. Like, yeah, I go, I'll go back and watch all... Dude, so my favorite all-time Disney movie is The Lion King, the original. Oh, don't be that. that. That new shit was bullshit. Exactly. I you know liked what I mean? the new Aladdin. I thought that was good. I yeah. did not. I, I did not like the Lion King. I thought Lady and the Tramp was okay. I thought I Jumbo the, was okay. Um, and then I haven't seen the Jungle Book. Jungle Book was actually pretty good. I like Jungle okay. Book. I'll have to check that one out. But yeah, because the, the 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 I had high hopes for the, the Lion King. I was like, man, this is my because as you know, as you, I, I fucking grew up on the original one. Like I was five when that shit came out. I got it for my birthday. Okay. Like, that was the fucking shit, man. It was the greatest thing ever. Like, I had the VHS. I fucking watched it a million times the first week it came out. Like, it was amazing. Yeah. And then I watched this new one, and I was like, turn this shit off. I'm not even having that shit. Bro, you know what's funny? is I, I was almost, man, is, I almost went out, almost went to go see it with my ex, man. But thank God we broke up before we went to see it, man. Because I probably would have walked out, man. I was like, fuck this shit. Speaking <laughs> of Disney and X, man. 
<laughs> the X-Men now are going to be part of Marvel, which are going to be part of Disney. I really, yeah. really like this. I think it's going to be a great yeah. thing. If you look at like Mandalorian, I think if you put those same kind of directors in play with X-Men or even Fantastic Four, you're going to have a great product. Yes. 100%. I 100% agree. Fox and you know those what? whole things up. Oh, they fucked up X-Men. Like, don't be wrong. The first uh, X-Men 1, 2... Yeah, kind of three, but one to two were good. After that, they just fucked X Men up, man. It's so upsetting. But you know what? You know, you know, Hugh Jackman won't play uh, the Wolverine anymore. You know who I know? Like, if, if you know actors, do you know Tom Hardy? Oh yeah, yeah, that would be fucking he, great. This would be a great young Wolverine, bro. But he's a Venom. Yeah, well, he not to fight. He not, ain't gonna fight the X Men. <laughs> he might. Okay. You might. That, that'd be badass. They're all under but the same at, roof. Look at Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds has been, what is it, uh, Green Lantern and Deadpool or some shit. I know those oh, two that different things, true. but that's DC and Marvel. Yeah, and Green Lantern sucked shit, so he probably doesn't talk about it. <laughs> it, was, it was, dude, it was great when he talked shit about his own movie in Deadpool. He was like, don't make this in the green or whatever you said, animated green or some shit. Dude, Ryan Reynolds is fucking awesome. I'd love to shoot the shit with that motherfucker. Bro, bro I want to <laughs> see him in a Wolverine. I want to see him and Hugh Jackman together. Yeah. You know, I think that would be great. I don't think we're going to get it, but I think that would be amazing. That'd be awesome. Yo, let me ask you a question, Brody. Yes, sir. If you know how people say if you could have a date with any celebrity you wanted, blah, blah, blah. no. If you could sit down and smoke a blunt with any person in the world, man, who would it be? Alive or dead? Ooh. See, now you hit me with the alive or dead. Hell yeah. Celebrity? <laughs> uh, any, any, anybody, actually. Could be anybody. Somebody famous or not. Well, I mean, I would love to smoke a blunt with my cousin one more time. He passed oh. away. But outside of that, so I'll give you a little hurrah. Um, yeah. no, I'm saying that's cool, fuck, though. I would love to smoke one with Bob. With who? Bob Marley. Oh, fuck, yes. That's a good one. I have, oh, nobody's man. ever said that one. We'd be sitting here that's... chilling. Like, here you go, Unc. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and just, come next to go ahead and just sing, God damn it. <laughs> uh, yeah, like it, as you pass him the blink, I pass him guitar too. You know what I mean? <laughs> but then there's also Sitar. people like Muhammad Ali, mm-hmm. Mike Tyson. Fuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, still living. Still I would cool. love to stare fucking with Mr. Jared Nitrin Gooden. Hey, yeah, that's gonna come to the truth. Yeah, you know I'm saying we're gonna make that happen, <laughs> dude. Man, my person would have to be. Don't don't get mad at me. Man, honestly, if I could smoke bowl anybody, it'd have to be Jesus, man. <laughs> you think I'm joking? It'd Jesus have to be walked. Jesus, man. You know he'd be pulling that herbal. You think I'm going to be like, so what's God like, man? <laughs> I'm trying to tell you, bro. I'd be like, what's God like, man? Man, what y'all do up in heaven? <laughs> Try to tell you, man. Hey, look, hey, hey. hey Biggie and Pac friends up there. <laughs> man, I'm pretty sure all my friends went the other way. <laughs> Before I before I let you go, because I'm getting close on time, I gotta take my son to jujitsu. But before I let you go, I want to get uh, your New Year's resolutions at, in your MMA fighting career. My New Year's resolution um, has to be to fight seven times this year. I fought five times in nine months last year. I want to fight seven this this year. And for MMA, man, honestly, uh, MMA uh, goal of mine. Let's talk to that Natalie chick, bro. What's her name again? Natalie, what? Nadia Cassian. Nadia 
potassium. I'm going to need me some of that. I need you to call to <laughs> I need you to let her know a bro's going to suck a fart out of her ass like a bong hit, nigga. I'm like, choo choo. Yes, that good shit, bitch. I'm like, brown smoke. You're going to have to go down under for that one, Night Train. Hey, I'm going to go down under, goddamn. I'm going to go down under. Damn, she is sexy, bro. I'm trying to tell you. We need to have, I need you to have me and her on here on the same time, goddammit. We don't even talk about MMA. We talk about her. I'll figure it out. I'll make it work, all right? Hey, I'm trying to tell you. I appreciate it. I got you. I got you. Uh, before hey, what are your goals? Say it again. My goals? What are your goals? Okay. Uh, yeah. We talked about this last time. I did four events last year. I covered four of them. The PFL playoffs, all three of them in Vegas, and then a Bellator show in LA. I want to cover 10 shows next year. I want to fly to one of them. So if it's in, you know, Atlanta, LA, somewhere like that. And, uh, you know, a big event, something fucking good. And then I uh, I interviewed, what was it, like 63, I believe it was, 62 professional MMA personalities, most of them fighters, uh, a couple coaches, you know, a couple commentators. And I want to do at least 75 to 100 this year, uh, already knocking one down out of the way. Mr. Jared Nitrain, good. And the man who uh, we interviewed the most last year, four times. A lot of guys got three. One gal, Miss Nadia Cassidy, also had three. But uh, yeah. we were the only person who gave us four. So I appreciate the time and letting us be a part of your MMA career, man. And I just can't wait to be a part of it. And I am honored for you to give me the opportunity to be a part of your time. Man, no, thank you, Brody, man. Like, seriously, I told, I told you earlier, man, like, I love doing interview, interviews with you because it's not an interview, man. We're just having a conversation, bro. It's like having a, it's like, it's like me and my best friend just talking and putting it out there, dude. It's awesome, man. I love this shit. No, for sure, bro. Thank you for uh, giving us the continued access. Like I said, I can't wait till the next one. We're going to do this. The next time you have a fight, man, we're going to get this all locked up. We're going to figure out who it is. We're going to go in there. We're going to whoop some ass and, uh, contender series is right down the right down the ways yes it is yes sir dude i can't wait man and listen I'm listen like, because las, las vegas is a hop skip and a jump for me and then I, <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm boys with julian marquez so i will hit him up the second you get that contender series offer and i'm like i need tickets for this date and he'll get them for <laughs> me and I'll, I'll be there for when you get your contract into the ufc i love it man hey you know I, I hear for uh, I have a couple friends on the on on the contender series. You know they fly you out there to do some like pre-fight stuff. You know what I mean? Like even like weeks before. You know what I mean? So I'm gonna call and let you know when I'm heading out there, bro. Like, hey, be in Vegas this week. Need to see you, god dog. <laughs> no, for sure. I'll have a 12 pack of uh, Mountain Dew waiting for you. Fuck yeah, man! Man, I gotta ask you. Do y'all have the orange Mountain Dew out there? It's called Mountain Dew Livewire. Uh yes, I've seen it. We have the orange, Fuck a blue, and a red, and then the regular I'm so Mountain jealous, Dew. Man. So we don't have the orange down here in Georgia, man. Mountain Dew be fucking us. I've seen it in every other state. Florida, South Carolina, Alabama, everywhere else but Georgia, man. I don't understand it, man. It's so upsetting. Are you Dude, in the so middle, you are, you're like in the middle of Georgia too, so you don't got like a border town you can go hit real quick. Nah, man. I'm I'm near the I'm near the top. Like I'm I'm middle top, yeah. Yeah, there's nothing I can hit, man. Like I said, whenever I go to Alabama or some shit, dude, that's when I get it. I stop. Oh, I'll waste a good like, yeah, fifty bucks on Mountain Dew. <laughs> Some live wire, hell yeah! Didn't you just uh, order it online? I have, but them, 
I don't know. The only way I've done it is like Amazon has spent like thirteen dollars on a twelve pack. <laughs> what about Walmart.com? Ooh. Because if you order over a certain amount, they give you free shipping. What? Yeah. See, I'm not tech technical tech technologically uh that smart, dude. I can't stand full shit, so I would never do that. Shit. Train, that's why you got me for you, brother. I'm here for you. I need you, man. I need you, god dog. <laughs> <laughs> No, before I let you go, though, I want to give you a quick opportunity to give a shout out to your sponsors, teammates, loved ones, anyone that's helped you along your MMA journey. Man, I want to thank my team, X3 Sports, my boy Nasty Nate, Robert Hell III. Um, I want to, man, Shamel Finley, there's too many people to, to thank. I want to thank my boys down there in um, Fusion XL down there in Florida. I got to thank my boy Julian, Pete, uh, Alex, the Spartan Nicholson, Mike Perry. I got to thank all you guys. Philip Rowe, thank you guys. Um, sponsors, gotta thank my boy Hunter. Ooh, man, it's HP Image. Jeez, I'm man, I'm fucking up on his on his on his name, man. I'm not his name, but his his, <laughs> his photograph name, all crap. But uh, <laughs> man, I think my boy Hunter. Um, man, hey, I don't even want to thank you, bro. Thank you for having me on the show, man. Of course. Want to thank my friends. Love you all. <laughs> thank you, man. <laughs> now, where can the fans find you on social media? Yo, that's right. Um, on Instagram, you can find me at Night Train, N-I-T-E, Night Train, uh, MMA23. Social media, Jared Gooden. Uh, and, uh, Twitter is always my hardest one. It's capital J, capital G, capital N, and Night Train 23. <laughs> it's crazy, man, all these usernames, bro. <laughs> that's why I try to keep mine all the same. Or else I'll be getting fucked up. There'll be too many. <laughs> and I, I lost the password to my original Twitter that had the username Night Train MMA 23 and then so I had to get a new one. Man, you know what I'm saying? If this you hit up Twitter, they'll get it for you. What? Yes, because you are the Night Train. You see what I'm saying? That's why I need you, bro. I didn't notice it. God damn, man. Thank you. Of course. Yeah, hit up Twitter. They'll give you it and they'll uh, yeah hit up Walmart.com and order that shit online, bro. Get that shit delivered to the house. You think I'm joking about this shit right now, bro? I, <laughs> I love my are. life. I know you were, because you hit me up two seconds after we got the thing yesterday. I'm like, WFC said no. Fuck those bastards. <laughs> fuck, Saying they don't want local guys, man. Fly my ass out. You ain't, man. WE, was it WFC? If y'all yeah, see this, you don't even have to fly me out there. Just to get me a fight, I'll drive my ass down there, man. Just fucking find somebody to sign a damn contract. Right. I do you want to go. Let's go. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Well, on that note, sir, I appreciate your time, and uh, I can't wait till next time. I appreciate everything that you've done for us, and I uh, can't wait to watch you continue good sex in this uh, crazy sport that we love. Yeah. <laughs> man, thank you so much, man. Hey, man, if I make it, you make it, man. We're both going to come up together, Brody. Hell yeah, brother. Thank you again for your time, and uh, I'll see you again next time. Thank you, bro. So this is Cass Bell, and you're listening to Native MMA Radio. All right, guys, welcome back to one of my favorite sections of the episodes. We are going to be previewing UFC 246. That is live at the T-Mobile Arena this weekend on pay-per-view, and that is going to be the return of the notorious one, Conor McGregor, taking on the most decorated fighter to never win a title in the UFC, Donald Cowboy Cerrone. It's a great night of fights. Obviously, we lost the Drew Dauber fight, as we talked about in a previous segment, but there's still a, a shit ton of great fights. Starting off the night in the women's flyweight division, our guest who is going to be on the show a little bit later on today, 7-1 Sabina Mazzo is going to be taking on 8-3 J.J. Aldrich. 
Now, Sabina has looked amazing since joining the UFC. Uh, I can't wait to con see her continue what she's doing. I know she said eventually she's going to move up to 35, but right now she wants to continue running through 25 while she can still make the weight. I see that going to at least happening for the next couple of years. She's 22 years old. She's very young. She gave up everything to come from Colombia to America to train to be the best in the world. And uh, I really see this paying off. Being this her most important fight that she's fought so far just because of JJ's experience and where she is in the UFC so far, this could really catapult her to the next level. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, having her on this card, like, it's, this is something huge for her, you know, to be in this card. Because you know that everybody will watch the early prelims. Nobody will just, you know, everybody will watch the whole show because it's a McGregor show. And I believe so, with the Drew Dauber situation, I believe she's going to get moved. This fight will be moved to the uh, ESPN portion of the prelims. Which will be even better for her if it happens. Yes, 100%. In the Bantamweight division, Brian Kelleher is taking on... Ade Oasborn and Ade won his contract in the Contender Series. Brian Keller is obviously a veteran of the game. This will be his 30th fight. Wow. I mean, just amazing when you really sit back and think that some guys have made it through a career where they have 30 fights. I mean, because you look at some guys like, you know, Asker Askorov, who is our next uh, fighter that we're going to talk about. He's 10-1. and one. And uh, I believe at this point, his, he's already 27 years old. So, I mean, getting to 30 fights for him is going to be a, a little hard unless he uh, puts pedal to the metal. Yeah, but the the guy with the, more, the most impressive number of fights, I believe, is in the main card, in the Olenek. Oh, dude, Olenek's had like 755 fights. Yeah. His MMA record looks like a goddamn boxing record. Yeah, it's, it's weird and it's amazing. And, yeah. yeah. Adobe, Adobe Osborne uh, showed off tremendous talent for the 135 pound he's really big uh, i'm interested to see if his body holds up for the 35 pound division because i really feel like once he gets to like 30 31 he's gonna have problems making that weight uh i don't know about that i guess we will see i agree with you he looked very big for his for this weight class but uh you know i guess we will see no 100 now one of my favorite fighters, the flyweight Tim Elliott, 15 9 and 1, is taking on Askar Askarov, who is 10 0 and 1. Tell me, uh, what do you know about Askar? Uh, I know that he's undefeated. Yeah. I know that he has no losses. I believe that this will be a great fight. Tim Elliott is a great fighter, uh, well rounded. We know, we know him from. Uh, the ultimate fighter he you know he's been everywhere i believe that he did a lot for the ufc he was in the ufc then he left and he came back and honestly when a lot of a lot of guys get cut from the ufc you see a lot of them just dwindle off and then you yeah. see the other side of the coin like a tim elliott where if you ask me outside of you know henry cejudo gave demetrius johnson one of his toughest tests for that ufc flyweight title if you remember that fight at no time could DJ ever just sit back and feel comfortable? Yeah, he gave it his all, you know, he fought like he, there is no tomorrow, I believe, uh, no regrets for him after that fight, great performance, like you said, maybe the second greatest performance against DJ in that division after uh, uh, after Henry Cejudo, but yeah, I agree with you, I believe this is going to be, this is gonna be a, good, a good fight, yeah. In the light heavyweight division, Alaska Kumar is taking on Justin Ledet. Alexa, 
Elixa. I probably fucked up his name. But he's another Contender Series product. Completely undefeated. 24-year-old kid. 5-0. foot one, seventy-four 74-inch reach. The kid is big. He is going to be putting on a show for us. I'm very excited to see what he brings to the table. I like the fact that uh, the main event of this, you know, of the early prelims is a, a light heavyweight fight, you know, to get you excited. Maybe you have a finish, you know. You know, I, like I, I feel like when you look at his stats, when you, it looks like his numbers, I feel like he could be a middleweight. Why? Do he have uh, middleweight fights before? No, he's, he's not super tall and he's not very big. Uh, he's been successful at light heavyweight, but I feel like he, when you look at his stat line you know, when you just look at his numbers i feel like he's more of a middleweight fighter than a light heavyweight uh right now he's undefeated and don't forget the middleweight division is very stacked stack more stacked than the light heavyweight division right now i believe yeah they got fucking two killers at the thrones let me tell you what yeah so maybe it's gonna be good for him whatever he's undefeated i believe he's doing something right so that is the he's... main event for yeah. the ufc fight pass portion of the early prelims uh as we talked about earlier the chaz skelly versus grant dawson fight has been canceled most likely moved to a different date i don't know what the entire situation was grant dawson did allude to that it was something on the skelly side uh, we'll try to reach out for comment. I've talked to Skelly before, so we'll see maybe if we can get some kind of uh, comment from him here soon. But in the lightweight division, we still have Drew Dauber taking on Nazareth Hazpazarat. I always fuck up his name. Say it correct. <laughs> uh, Nazareth Hakparest. Exactly. That guy, yeah. don't know how or to call, say his name. Or, or call him Kelvin Gasol. But he's the a same fucking person. badass, bro. He's, he's at, at TriStar, correct? Yeah, and he is uh, Kevin Costello's brother. Like, really, they they, honestly, they could be fucking brothers. It, it's yeah. scary how much they look alike. Yeah, it's very scary. Yeah, he's a great fighter. I like him too. I like to see him uh, fight. I like him. I like his gym. I like everything about what they're doing out there in TriStar. Johnny Walker's heading out there. Kevin Lee's already there. It really yeah. seemed like after... You know, Rory McDonald wasn't going to be that next successor to GSP as the great that they were going to kind of fall off. But they've really, you know, held on to some talent, brought in some talent and have really elevated their game over there. Yeah, I agree with you. This next matchup is probably one of the fights that I'm most excited for. And when I seen it originally scheduled, I just thought this one was going to be fucking fireworks from the beginning to the end. It might not last all 15 minutes, but it'll be fucking fireworks. Let me tell you one thing. 20 and 6, Andre Touchy Philly is taking on 10 and 1, Sadiq Youssef. And Sadiq Youssef is a fucking animal. Yeah, I agree with you. Andre Andre Philly is uh, a guy that wasn't very lucky in his uh, debut in the UFC because he had some tough fights. I feel, you know, very tough fights. Uh, he's the yeah, he's a very good prospect. You know, uh, come from uh, yeah, I mean, Alpha Team Alpha Male. You know, he's maybe. Yeah, they have. You know, they really believe in him. I believe. I believe in his potential. I believe that. Uh, in his last fight, he looked good. So he's I really got a Uriah Faber tattoo on him. 
you know, Uriah is a great guy. He deserves, you know, he deserves to get a ta uh, to have a tattoo about him on you know, other other fighters. But yeah, <laughs> I agree with you. This will be a good fight. Uh, Sadiq Yusuf is a great fighter. Beast. He is very dangerous, very explosive. Like I feel that's a. Uh, if you if you if you you know if you get caught, he will end you in the the very first second of the of the fight. Oh, yeah. yeah, Sadiq definitely has power in both hands. I see this being, like I said, a barn burner and fireworks until the end. Yeah, we talked about you know Sadiq Youssef being a, an amazing prospect. This next fighter is definitely one of the best prospects in the UFC, probably if not in MMA altogether. Roxanne yeah. Monteferi, 23 and 16, the veteran, is taking on the very young and talented prospect, 8-0, undefeated Macy Barber, in the main event of the prelim portions of this huge UFC 246. Now, these two women are strategically put here, Macy more than Roxanne. Now, Roxanne has a huge following. Uh, she has loyal fans out there. Fans who even go as far as helping her out on training camps, just sending her, you know, grocery gift cards. Because let's face it, some of these fighters don't make a killing. I mean, yeah. they're lucky to make $60,000 a year. And uh, we're, we're talking serious to get punched in the face. Yeah, they live, they, you know, they live by their, uh, you know, by their, their dream, you know, it's their dream to be, to become USC fighter and, you know, become champion. So, yeah. It, 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 there's guys, a cost to it. When you see these fighters like Roxanne Monteferi coming with a $50,000 purse, you guys got to think that she's maybe taking home maybe half of that. Maybe. If she's yeah. lucky. And most of that, what is the money that she's already put out just to live through these last couple of months that she's got to pay back now? I mean, a lot of these people that aren't at the top, the Conor McGregor's, they're really struggling. So... I don't even know. I just went off on a tangent. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, but at the end of the day, the UFC is trying to make this fight about uh, Macy Barber. Yes, and 100%. Yeah. She's the future. Uh, she took out Jillian Robertson, who we all have high hopes for, especially because she's a big fan of Still the show. Still have high hopes for her. Yeah, uh, I just I feel like Macy Barber is really the closest thing we have to a legitimate test for Valentina Shevchenko. The, the the only problem is she's very young. If you get okay, so uh, who was it? I believe it was Chael. Chael said, "Give her till the end of December, November, and uh, it'll be a different story." I, I, I'm gonna say, "Give her to next International Fight Week," and I believe you have a huge matchup on your hands between her and Valentina Shevchenko. So even earlier than that? No, I'm talking about he wants this fight. This. Fucking! Yeah. I'm talking about next international fight week, 2021. Oh, oh 2021. Okay. So yeah, July of 2021, I believe okay. she would be ready for a title fight, and I think that she gives Valentina Shevchenko a run for her money. And I have not said that about anybody outside of Amanda Nunes. I believe I agree with you. She had the potential to be that fighter that can even defeat uh, Valentina, maybe. But I believe the. The more she waits, the better is for her, you know. Sometimes you need to think like uh, boxers do, and sometimes boxers wait, wait for the right time to fight, you know, that big fight. And Macy Barber, 
if she fight like if she rush it and she fight against Valentina, she, you know she get KO'd or whatever. Like it's maybe going to hurt her the rest uh, of her career. Macy has also came out and said that she wants to break John Jones' record as the youngest UFC champion of all time. And uh, I don't know the exact date on when she would have to do it by, but she's only 21 years old now. I believe yeah. she at least has another full year, if not more, to break that record. Listen, at the end of the day, what a fighter wants, what a fighter wants to do, and what his coach tell him is, you know, to, those are two things different. If the coaches really feel that she's ready for it, then, you know, they know her better than us. But uh, if it was up to me, I would say. Keep on fighting, you know. You can't fight against Valentina after fighting Roxanne. I'm sorry about that, Roxanne. but you know, you need to. You need more fights. You, you just had eight eight MMA fights. No, I would like to see yeah. her take another four fights. Yeah, that, 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 that. when you're twelve and 0, 13 and zero, that's then, good uh, you really you can't deny her a shot. Yeah. No, it's not about denying. It's about ha you know having the more chances in her side on her side to to win uh, against Valentina. The better opportunities, I believe. Yeah, are correct. Yeah, she needs to wait. I believe. Now, but yeah, start, this is a good fight. To start off the pay per view is a fucking another great fight. Anthony Showtime Pettis, a man who we spent a lot of time in our current events talking about, is going to be taking on another big prospect. This time coming out of Fortis MMA in Carlos Diego Friera. He is 16-2 and two and has looked amazing since joining the UFC. Showtime is going back down to lightweight division. And honestly, I thought it was going to be Alexander Hernandez welcoming him back to the lightweight division. But Carlos Diego Friera has snuck his way in there and is ready for the biggest fight of his life. Yeah, the, this is a great fight for uh, Carlos Diego Friera. Anthony Perez at the, you know... Right now, is a former UFC champion. What do he really needs to do? You know, there's nothing to prove. He is a great fighter, still on top, still relevant. So yeah, very dangerous fight for Carlos. I believe that Anthony may may really get the W. No, one hundred percent. I can't wait to see it. When I seen uh, Pettis at. PFL, I believe it was the second event, so October 17th. He didn't look very big at all. He looked like he was already preparing to slim down that 55 division. So if he's been preparing for the past two, three months for this weight cut, I don't foresee it being a, a problem for him. He's always had great cardio at 55. I believe we could see a run. If he wins this fight, we could see him, you know, potentially making his way towards a Connor fight. Oh, maybe. I don't know. You know, uh, Connor, I believe there was talk about him against Anthony Pettis at some point. Uh, there were talk about Conor McGregor as anybody at some point, so that, that's not relevant. Listen, if but, you're in the UFC, you want to fight Conor McGregor. Yeah, even, yeah. Macy, Bar even Macy Barber wants to fight against Conor Red McGregor. Red Night so. isn't a goddamn joke, all right? Yeah, no joke. Now, another great strawweight matchup. Claudia Gardelia, 17-4, is taking on... 11 and 3 Alexa Grasso. I know you're a big Alexa Grasso fan. How are you if you're in her corner, how are you preparing her to take on what is arguably the biggest matchup of her life, former title challenger Claudia Gadelia? Listen, she have the reach advantage, slight reach advantage, not very big, but she have that reach advantage. She needs to use it because Claudia Gadelia is a great grappler, you know. If she takes you to the ground, 
It will be a tough night for Alexa, but uh, I believe Alexa's striking is uh, flawless. Uh, the way she defeated uh, Carolina was amazing. I believe that she's a great striker. Claudia Gaderia, on the other hand, is a you know she fought for the belt many times. She's a tremendous grappler, tremendous fighter, uh, well-rounded, experienced. Uh, it's it's a great fight, like you said. For sure, I would go with Alexa Grasso, but this is not going to be an easy fight for her. No, definitely. It'll definitely move one of these women to the more clear, maybe three or four position in that women's strawweight division. Definitely one win away from a title shot for whoever the winner is on Saturday night. In the heavyweight division, the man with the professional boxing-like <laughs> record, 57 Thirteen and one, Alexi Olenek is taking on eight and three. Maurice Green, the crochet. The men have boss. seventy. The men have seventy-one MMA fights. This is this is crazy. This is crazy. Maurice Green is no joke. The crochet no boss joke. came through the Ultimate Fighter, and uh, has looked very good since being here. I no. think Olenek is definitely, obviously, the more experienced fighter. If you look at the record, it's obvious. But if you really look at how Maurice Green composes himself in the octagon, I don't know that that a huge experience factor is going to be a much of a gap. I don't think that having all this experience is going to be that much of an advantage for Linux just based on how composed Maurice Green is in the octagon. That's just my own opinion. I agree with you. Uh, Olenek is clearly the superior grappler in this fight. Maurice Green, way more explosive. You know, he will look. He will look for that knockout. I believe. So yeah, Maurice Green have some advantages. He's much younger than uh, Olenek. He's taller than him. He He's about five inches on him. He's got yeah. a half of inch of reach. He's four inches, sorry, in height. And he, he's a little bigger than the Linux since the last time they weighed in. Yeah, so I don't know. This is a good fight. I'm very excited. I'm a big fan of Olenek. I want him to win this fight. Do if you think, think Maurice Green crocheted Alexi Olenek a hat for weigh-ins? Uh, maybe. I don't know. We will see. He has done it for like his fast like two or three opponents. So we, we yeah. shall see. The crochet boss is a motherfucking boss. God damn it. Yeah, we will see. Now, in the co-main event is two women who were finished by Amanda Nunes last year in the women's bantamweight division. Fifteen, sorry, ten and twelve and five. Holly Holm is taking on ten and seven. Raquel Pennington. Rocky was finished by Amanda Nunes in February. Holly Holm this last July. Now, this is Holly Holm's first fight since then. I believe this is Pennington's first fight as well. I honestly yeah. didn't think we were going to see Raquel Pennington back in the UFC again. I thought that she was going to be done. I really felt like she just didn't want to be there anymore. And uh, I'm glad to see that that's passed and that she's in there doing her thing. I love Holly Holm. I know that uh, Dana mentioned that she should retire after her last fight. I think Dana needs to worry about being the president and let his fighters fight. But uh, Yeah. It is what it is. I want to see Holly Holm continue to do this until she's ready to give it up. 
Now, do I think that she's going to be the women's bantamweight champion anytime soon? Unless something happens to Amanda Nunez, I don't think so. Yeah, but you may never know. She, you know, she's still on the on the top of that division. You know, Most maybe not. Definitely, she will be a top five bantamweight by this time next year. Yeah. So. This fight is good for her, for Holly Holmes. Rachel Pennington, like, she didn't want to be in the cage with Amanda Nunes. I don't believe that she didn't want to fight no more. And, you know, nobody can blame her for that. She's nobody wants to done. be in the cage. Yeah, nobody yeah. wants to be in the cage with her. No, most of yeah. Cyborg didn't even want to be in the same company as her. Yeah, she, she left. And uh, it tell you how... How great Amanda Nunes is. But listen, uh, this fight is great. Uh, Holly Holmes... This is the kind of striking she she brings to the table. Is uh, you I know, don't see this one going on to another level. Much. No, not really. I don't see this fight going to the ground. I see Rocky going in there and trying to be a Rocky against yeah. a great kickboxing person, and I really feel like Holly Holmes is going to outbox her. I agree. honestly, if Holly finishes Raquel within the first two rounds, I wouldn't be surprised. And that is I not agree a knock you. on Raquel. That is more of recognizing Holly Holmes' striking ability and giving her the accolades and the credit where it's due. Yeah, it's more about uh, the style both fighters bring, and I believe Holly Holmes uh, is looks like the they favorite in this fight. They both have similar strengths. Holly's are just much better. Yeah, I agree with you. Now, in the main event, what the, everyone in the world has been waiting for, the return of the 21-4, and four, the notorious Conor McGregor is taking on 36-13-0 in one no contest, Donald Cowboy Cerrone. It's amazing. This fight is amazing. I'm very happy to watch Conor McGregor. I'm always happy to see him fight. I really, like some people don't really believe about uh, him. Uh, this time he's different. Nobody believed that. They didn't believe it when, you know, other fighters uh, do it. People always like to judge and, you know, and when you're great, nobody likes you at some point. Conor McGregor is great. He's one of the greatest UFC MMA fighter in the history. He's a big star. This is his way to come back. And uh, I really believe he will come back. I believe this is going to be his night. He will shine, like he said. He will destroy. I believe that it will be a flawless performance by him, like him against Eddie Alvarez. What do you think? Uh, I want to I wanna take a step back real quick. Yeah. I want to make a comparison to another great legend who's not quite in this sport but still in combat sports now their circumstances are not quite the same and the rise to fame obviously isn't the same but they're kind of similar uh, one was around for social media connor the other one not being around for social media but if you really look at the rise and the fall of these two fighters it really played out in front of the world's eyes and when you look at mike tyson and you look at Conor McGregor, you see a lot of similarities between the two. On They were both on top of the world. And it, it really took a lot of outside effort to really take them down a little bit. I think, unlike Iron Mike, though, I think Conor's kind of figured that one out. I think he's realized that he had his fun. And that was great and all. But he has a legacy that he wants to uphold and he wants to continue and leave a lasting impression on 
And for him to do so, we have to see arguably the greatest Conor McGregor we've ever seen in this next year and a half. Yeah. Like you said, it's a season for him. This is just step number one. Cowboy has always been there. Now we're finally going to see it happen. It's finally going to be a fruition. We get Cowboy versus Conor on Saturday, but what do we get after that? What do we get on Saturday night when it comes to Conor McGregor? Do we get the notorious Conor McGregor who went out there and took out Jose Aldo in 13 seconds? Or do we get that guy that was super drunk at a press conference and talking about shit that we probably shouldn't have got into and taking things a little further and bringing in people's wives and families? I think we're getting a more focused Conor. I think we're getting yeah. a Connor who fought Jose Aldo and knocked him out in 13 seconds. I think that Connor McGregor is the scariest mixed martial artist, period. I don't care who's undefeated. I don't care who holds a belt. Yeah. That Connor McGregor is the scariest MMA fighter of all time because of one left hand. Just yeah. like the same way that when Mike Tyson put on those, you know, 16 ounce gloves, he was the baddest man alive. Connor McGregor. If he does what he says he's going to do in the next year and a half, will go down as the greatest MMA fighter of all time. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Conor McGregor did something great. I believe this is something I really like because it's something that maybe is why I'm a big fan of him. It's about his loyalty to his camp. And he brought back his first boxing uh, coach to his camp this time, which I really love because... For me, loyalty is a big thing, and for and when I see it in Conor McGregor, I really enjoy. I really like to see it because after all this shit, after all the shit that happened, uh, there's one thing that stayed the same with Conor. It's his entourage. Like maybe you will say, yeah, some of them weren't good. Whatever, they are here since day one. A couple fell off and a couple joined on, but you have the same group of yeah. people. They are the same. They are the same. You have Coach Kavanaugh. You have people like. So, so may, I believe so many guys maybe ask Connor to change camp and, you know, another greatest camp. SBG is not that, he's not a great, one of the best. Uh... Before Connor McGregor was there, I didn't know who Straight Blast Jim Ireland was. Yeah. Listen, I, I love SBG. I love uh, people, go Gunnar Nelson and, you know, fighter coming up. But th there's not, yeah, there's not a lot. And they are not like top five fighters in their divisions. So yeah, he's the star, and the, you know he stay with people who really knows him, knows him way before he got money, before fame. That's why I like it, and he stay the same. I believe Conor McGregor will really shine. I'm sorry for Cowboy because we are talking a lot about Conor. We're not talking about Cowboy. And Cowboy, if he gets the win, it will be it will be the greatest night of his you know his career. But I don't, I just don't see it. Now, this is a super deserving spot for Cowboy. For everyone sitting here saying that he doesn't belong in this matchup, let's sit here and think about this for one second. When there was ever a situation where we needed a fighter, even if it was in stupid weight classes, Donald Cowboy Cerrone was the first person to text Dinah White. Yeah. Um, in any circumstances where you needed a fighter to step up, it's always been Donald. No matter yeah. who it was to fight, no matter when it was, no matter how it was, no matter if he fought two weeks ago, no matter if he might have a broken hand up until the night he has to fight, he'll do it. He has been in a, a this beef with Connor for a good three years, four years now. 
some people might not recognize it because they're just you know casual fans and don't realize what's going on. But Red Panty Night started with Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Yeah. He is the most winningest fighter in the UFC. He's got the most finishes, I believe, too. And at one point, I believe he had the most submission finishes, but him and Oliveira have been kind of going back and forth with that one. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, Donald maybe he will get Cerrone some submissions. could very easily win this fight. And if he beats Conor McGregor, I would not be surprised. Not one bit. Donald is a crafty veteran. You've seen in circumstances where back in the day where you used to be able to put it on Cowboy and he would crumble. Uh, RDA yeah. did it to him. Habib did it to him. A bunch of other guys did it to him. Darren Till did it to him. You've seen a switch when he had his son go off in him. And you've seen a change in Cowboy. You've seen it in the Mike Perry fight and then Alex Hernandez. That's the one that really opened my eyes. Obviously, we're big fans of Alex. He's a good friend of ours. But when you look at the entire fight, Alex was really working Cowboy for a good chunk of that fight. And to where in the past, Cowboy would, you know, just falter and let, you know, his thing go and most of the time he would lose the fight he really was able to stay composed and win that fight based on that now if he can continue his ways here i believe connor's gonna hurt him and it, it, it might not be right away but within the first two rounds connor's gonna put some leather on him if cowboy can withstand that and can take this into the deeper rounds it's only going to be more advantage for Cowboy because you know he's got the gas tank to go all five. The later this fight goes, the better for him it gets. That's why he need like if I was in his camp, I would say we need that early takedown to win, you know, to get more time. Because the more time you get, the more chances you have to beat Connor. That's what everybody say. I'm not saying that it's going to be true. But that... We know when you see uh, what happened before, you think that that's what is better. But I don't sincerely like. Uh, I really love Cowboy as a fighter, but I don't see him uh, winning this fight. I have to agree with you, man. I don't see it going down. Uh, it'll be interesting. I'm interested to see what the next year has in store for Connor, and I can't yeah. wait to see uh, which direction he's going to go in. If it's going to be 170, or it's going to be 155. Yeah, I agree with you. We will see. I really hope the next fight will be at 155. Question. If Conor McGregor loses on Saturday night, do we see him ever fight again in the octagon? No, for sure. This will not be the end, the end of him. Oh, for sure, 100%. Any final thoughts on UFC 246? Uh, not really. I'm very excited about that uh, fight card, but I'm more, more excited about the main events. I will not lie to you. Return. Can't beat a great return. But yeah. uh, that'll be it, guys. We are going to cut it to Sabina Mazo. She's going to be on the line real quick. Uh, we'd like to obviously thank her for coming on Fight Week. It's a huge uh, burden for some of these fighters, but we do our best to uh, make it as easy on their schedule as possible. So, uh, yeah, but stay tuned. Wally will be back to close out the show, and uh, here we have it. This is Mike Rodriguez. You listen to Native MMA Radio. Bam! All right, guys. Well, finally joining me at this time is the Colombian queen herself, Sabina Mazo. How you doing, Sabina? I'm doing great, man. Happy, happy to be here. 
because it means somebody's so I'm fighting soon. So I'm yes. always excited to do this. Yeah. Now this fight card is huge. It's it's one of the, it started the year off with a bang. It sold out in like. 0.5 seconds or something like that <laughs> it had a 10 million dollar gate obviously the ufc has a lot of uh pressure not a lot of pressure on themselves but they needed to come out with a bang and they needed to have a good fight card around it it couldn't just be connor and cowboy and they chose you to be on this card and it, it's such an accolade for somebody like you because they, they were hand-picked to be on this card totally and uh, it's just amazing to open the card as well. I think I'm the first fight, if I'm not wrong, of the card. And it's just amazing, you know. I have the opportunity to start the year showing my work and, you know, kind of dominate and give a spectacular fight in there. Now, J.J. Aldrich, what do you know about your opponent? Great striker. She doesn't surrender. Uh, she has good experience, good record in the UFC. So I think it's a great ma matchup for me because... It will position myself in a good, uh, you know, spot. So, uh, yeah, she's not going to surrender anything. That's what I like the most from her because it uh, gives me the opportunity to, you know, put my game into her. Now, we're, what, like I said, 10 days out from the fight. Uh, how are you feeling? Are you feeling pretty much prepared? Do you guys have a couple more hard days left in the training? Or how is the next couple of days going to be like for you? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling ready. I feel like... It's finally coming, you know, I've been training. I, I don't, I think I've not mentioned this before to you, and I don't do this fight camp style yes. thing. Uh, constantly so, ready. Yeah, I'm always ready. The only thing that changes is, you know, the weight, like dropping more weight and, and things like that. So the couple next days is just continue the work, uh, continue dropping a little bit more weight and, uh, you know, head to that fight weekend and get into, into that vibe that, uh, you know, it's kind of different to be around people, doing the interviews, you know, and uh, getting that excitement to put it all out in, in this next Saturday inside there. So originally your opponent wasn't for even for this fight card. It was for the South Korea card, and you were originally supposed to fight Kim. Uh, that whole thing fell apart. Tell me, from that fight falling apart and JJ coming up, how did that whole thing come about? So it was kind of funny. I mean, it was coincidence or life, whatever people want to call it, God or destiny. Um, but I think it was the best thing that could happen, you know, because uh, literally I signed the contract. My opponent came to sign the contract and like it was in more than two days she got injured. Um, so she couldn't fight. And I was still aiming to fight in that uh, card in, in, in Korea because I wanted to fight one more time that last year. So uh, I was like, no, okay, it doesn't matter any opponent, let's fight, let's fight. But then um, I discussed with my manager, Ali, and uh, my team, my teammates and everything with Master. And I think it was the best decision, you know. We knew it was a great card coming in January. It was just a couple of weeks, you know, away from, from the original date. So um, I just keep going and just, you know, adjust to different style. But like I mentioned before, it really doesn't matter the name of the opponent in front. I will be ready for, for any person in there. Now, uh, you, obviously, it was just a couple of weeks. You're constantly staying ready. So it wasn't that much of a shift. The only thing that really changed was the opponent's. Now, when you look at JJ, do you feel like a win over her means more than a win over Kim? Because obviously she's a more well-known fighter in the eyes of, you know, the more casual UFC fans. 
maybe for the view of the outsider it could be but for me i look at as one more in the list to go to the top you know i it doesn't matter the name actually i feel like if if you are in my way to go to the top so i'm sorry but i i have to you know do my job and and just get a victory over you so pretty much every flyweight is in your way and they all need to watch out exactly yeah i don't i don't like to call out people and those dramas about talking about others i'm not into that because you know i feel like to show my work i just have to show it based on different games you know so i have the opportunity to have a list of a lot of fighters and you know kind of apply that so it really doesn't matter you're so you're more of a pure martial artist than a fighter then i try to i'm still in the progress of <laughs> learning how to be but it's a dream no, definitely. Now, uh, you mentioned Ali Abdelaziz, your new manager, uh, Dominance MMA. When did you officially sign with him? I signed with Ali. It was um, around September, November. It was when I signed with them. I decided because, uh, you know, I think he's the man. He's He knows how to treat fighters. Yes. He knows how to manage their their career, you know, and he's showing with work as well. Not with words, but with with actual work and proof. So uh, for me, people that work that way, that have ethics, I think it's the most important thing. And uh, he's part of the family, you know, and for me, that's very, very important. As well as how is my relationship at Kings of MMA, it's the same relationship with him, you know. He talks to me. He treats me like a, like a sister, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, and you have a lot of uh, your Kings of MMA uh, teammates. You guys are all part of Dominance. Yeah, a lot. A lot of uh, our... Our team is with that and working with him. Did that help kind of, you know, sway your decision on going with Ali? Or was it always going to be Ali no matter what? You know, I, because I've been in Kings before signing with Ali. So it was not about my teammates being with him because I was not. I was, I had my other manager that I appreciate a lot. He took me to UFC. You know, I, sh I show a lot of gratitude to him because he was the person that found me. But uh, I just wanted to work something different in my career. You know, and uh, one of the options was a league, not just because he was working with my other teammates, but because I really liked the way he worked, you know, the, the, the things he does. So, um, yeah, it's more based on how I like him as manager than anything else. Could we possibly see you do things outside of the UFC? Like what do you mean? Like anything, like acting. Yeah, actually, um, well, I'm focused on the fight right now, you know. Yes. It's not the yeah. moment, but... Um, and then you I got school, too, correct? I have school, yeah, but that's after the fight as well. So um, after this fight, I think I'm going to start again uh, the the modeling... Wait, the, the modeling... Sorry, that went away. You're fine. Uh, the modeling uh, career, I started before fighting, and I think I'm going to start again with it. And uh, let's see where it goes. There you go. So a little career maybe after fighting, after you become the women's flyweight champion of the world. For sure. It's another now, dream. Right, exactly. After this fight, I know you don't want to look ahead of JJ, but I'm going to ask you ahead anyways. After you you know, beat JJ Aldridge, what do you want next? You don't have to name any names, but is there a certain, like maybe a, a ranked opponent, you know, somebody within this number to be in this number? I mean, any anyone top 10 will work, you know. I want to get there. Um, and I know all the girls there, you know, they, they, they know who I am. 
and uh, I'm trying to prove it with work. So anyone in the top 10, it'll be a nice move for me so I can, you know, reach to the top. I'm, I'm new in the division. I'm new, not in the division, but I'm new in the UFC, you know. The division is still uh, kind of getting this uh, formation or this, uh, you know, it's, it's still very new. Yes. So um, I think uh, a spot in the top 10, that'll be great and keep up from there. Now, uh, your weight, how's, how's your weight for this fight? I know you're constantly, constantly training, so, I mean, it's got to be somewhat good, but I know you do cut weight to get down to that 125. Yeah, it's always hard. For me, that's the hardest part because training, I enjoy it. I love it. Uh, but I have my nutritionist that uh, she helps me. Also, my teammates, they have experience on it. But it's always hard. You know, I feel yes. like um, I am I'm pretty big for, for that division. And uh, I'm young, so I still can make weight. But I know in a couple of years, you know, I, I'll have to think about going um, up. To, to the next division but for now i feel good you know it's a hard work but i, I can make weight uh, uh who's your yeah. nutritionist that you're working with i'm working with savannah Iggy. she's uh actually she's a um, dance Iggy ufc fighters wife uh wife yeah okay so um she she works with me since my last fight and uh, i love it i think it's been helping a lot a lot of um guidance you know and kind of knowing my body and I'm still in that in that process. Now, does she like meal prep for you? Does she like send you recipes to try on your own, or how does that work out? We we work with macronutrients, so like how much protein, or fat, of carbs I have to eat. You okay. know how to distribute that during the day. But I I meal prep, of course. Trifecta is like uh, the meals that UFC send for free, so uh, it's amazing food, by the way. Yes. But I just have to cook. You know, I have to just. Uh, warm it up and kind of measure how much I have to eat. And um, it becomes something very simple. You know, at the beginning, you really have to be conscious of how much you're eating. But after you learn, you know, you start to get the routine and it becomes very easy. No, definitely. Uh, making weight for you hasn't really ever been an issue. Um, I don't I don't see it being an issue this time. It, but, it is an issue all the time. I just don't show it, you know, but... Well, that that's the true to. warrior in you, you know what I mean? You, you're not supposed to show it. Yeah, no, I, I never show, but I do have a couple of videos and a couple of uh, stuff that one day maybe I'll kind of let people know what I, I've been through, you know, because people look at me like... And even when I'm training, you know, before fights and like, oh... And they, they go to me, ah, no, you, you can't make weight. You're too big. You're too fat. What do you mean? You should say that to me. I'll make weight, you know. But uh, I, I know, you know, it's because not everyone is uh, capable to pass through things you pass. So uh, I'm here, you and know. Definitely, and, I and no one knows your body better than you. You know what I mean? No, it, it's your body. <laughs> exactly. So it's all good. No, definitely. Um, you said 35 eventually, a couple years away from that. Yeah, I mean, I'm 22 only right now, so uh, I feel pretty good at 125. I feel that's my division. Uh, I want to achieve a lot of stuff. I want to, you know, get the belt, be world champ in this division. And until my body says, you know, because, I mean, I have a long journey. I, I don't know until when I'm going to fight, but I don't think at 35 I'll be making 125. I, I don't think that's going to be possible, you know, because your body is in a constant change, yes. evolution. So, uh, and every fight I feel, you know, I, I get stronger, you know, my body starts to 
uh, become more of a spider body, if that makes sense, you know. So, um, yeah, I know in a in couple of years, I don't know when exactly, but in a couple of years, I'll have to think about moving from division. And you truly love MMA. Like, you you live, breathe this. You're in this for the, to win this, pretty much. Exactly, yeah. I love it. It's a lifestyle. No, definitely. Uh, I know we talked about it before, but what kind of brought you to MMA? What started you off? Um, I, you know, I was thinking about that because every time um, people ask me, I don't know what to, I don't know what to answer because it was not a person, it was not a movie, it was not a situation. It was just that I always been very active, you know. I was uh, like hyper all the time as a kid. You know, I did yes. a lot of sports. I played everything. Uh, I did good at school, I did bad, I did sports, I did everything. I really, I tried to do everything, kind of get uh, something to to distract myself. And uh, so that's why I think I love martial arts. I started with boxing and jiu-jitsu. And I couldn't stop since the day one, you know. I, I got there and I finally got tired doing something. And uh, that kind of gave me calm and like peace, you know. So, yeah. No, definitely. Uh, I don't want to keep too much more of your time. I know it's fight week and I know you're super busy, but I want to give you an opportunity to give a shout out to your sponsors, teammates, loved ones, anyone that's really helped you along your MMA journey. Uh, I think to everyone, you know, all the Colombian, Latin America, also America, they opened the doors for me. You, the interviews, you know, I feel um, this wouldn't be possible if we didn't have the support from all the fans and all the people. So. That's basically the most important right now. No, definitely. Now, I, I want to ask you, because we did just start 2020, what are your goals for this year in your fight career? I want to do great fights. I want to do spectacular fights. I want to do fights that people will not forget at the end of the year. It will be like, oh, do you remember this fight? You know, like, uh, like, like Kelvin. head kick last victory year. in LFA. Exactly. Or like Kelvin's fight last year with yes, uh, Adesanya. You know, I feel like I want to I wanna give the fights that people will remember and, you know, pass through the history more than just a, uh, a step in there and do my job. I want to do my job to resemble and to stay in the sport. No, definitely. And then where can the fans find you on social media? Uh, Sabina Masos, I think in everything, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter. I don't use Twitter that much, but uh, still Instagram and Facebook, Sabina Masos. Keep it easy. <laughs> All right, guys, there you have it. The Colombian queen herself, Sabina Mazo. Sabina, we wish you luck next week at uh, UFC 246, McGregor versus Cowboy. We can't wait, and uh, it's going to be a great card, and you're going to kick it off just right. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Of course, have a good one. All right, guys, this is the close of episode 53. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you, Jared Gooden and Sabina Mazo for joining us on this episode. Jared, we've got to get those seven interviews in this year, brother. We'll do our best. Sabina, thank you again, and good luck this weekend against J.J. Aldrich. Wally Wall, I uh, talked with Jared a little bit about my goals for this year, media-wise, you know, for this UFC MMA media thing that we do. And... Uh, I told him that, uh, you and I have talked about this off air, but I kind of wanted to just throw it all out there for us. I want yeah. to do at least 75 interviews with professional fighters slash personalities. 
I would like to do more coaches than we got last year. I think we only did like a handful. And I would love to do more fighter interviews with interpreters. I feel like when we did that Wellington one, it worked really well. Even though I was kind of uh, iffy on how it was going to turn out originally. Just because of, you know, talking to one person and having them talk and then having them talk to back to you. I feel like it was going to be a long back and forth process. But it, it actually turned out very well. Yeah, I agree with you. Good. Going to be good. And the other thing uh, is I want to go to at least 10 cards. I want to cover at least 10 fights. Now, uh, obviously, going to fights and covering fights are two completely different things. I want to cover 10 different fights. And uh, we got our confirmation for what our first one is going to be this year. And uh, Native MMA Radio will be at the Bellator 238 in Los Angeles next week covering Chris Cyborg versus Julia Budd for the women's flyweight featherweight title. Sorry, and uh, super excited for that to be our first one of the year, and can't wait to get the next nine done. Wally Wall, we gotta get you. If Bellator goes to France this year, Wally Wall will be there to cover it for this great new source of ours. Yeah, I will. I will. Uh, uh, I'm waiting for uh, for them to, you know, pick up some dates and uh, you know. Well, we'll try to make it work, but yeah, I'm waiting for it. 100%. France uh, is going to be a huge popping spot for MMA here within the next two or three years, I believe. And uh, I believe we could see a hotbed of talent coming out of there. And I think uh, we're let me let me rephrase that. We're not going to see French talent. We're going to see Africans who move to France who are going to blossom from being there. That yeah, thank you. Like our uh, good friend Walid here and Francis Ngannou, those are the guys who we're going to see break onto the sport within the next couple of years. Just wait and see. Yeah, that's what we will do. We will wait and see. And uh, yeah, Africa is a great is a great continent, and I believe that we will produce more and more fighters and more and more champions. This time next year, is there any change within the have? Sorry, is there any change within the UFC belts? Anybody get a belt? Anyone would, you know? I believe that uh, this time next year, I hope that Connor have his rematch or would have would have that rematch against Habib maybe in December or you know. If not, I want to see that. If we have this time Habib against Tony, I believe that maybe even Tony can be the the, the lightweight champion. Other divisions. I don't know. Maybe Yoel Romero destroy Adesanya. Maybe Adesanya put on a clinic against him. You may never know. But about this, uh, maybe the Bantamweight division, maybe Koji Garbrandt come back, Dominic Cruz, TJ. It's maybe We can have mayhem, you know, in one year. So I'm just very excited. I think that if John Jones says the only thing that will not change, there's two, two champions, maybe three, Valentina, Amanda, and uh, John Jones. Those are the three that I think that still will be champion, but this time next year. I gotta correct you on one thing: we will not see T.J. Dillashaw this year, at all. He is still suspended until 2021, and that's when his suspension is up. Yeah, but you know they will work out something with you, with you, Sada, and he will, you know, he will snitch on someone and he will come back. You know, you know how it goes. 100%. This is the fight game, and anything could happen. Yeah. Now, uh, before I let you guys go, I want to continuously thank the fans and the audience that we have out there. Uh, if it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't continue to do this show. I've said that before, and it's not uh, you know, cliche. It's true. If we didn't have an audience, we wouldn't continue to do it. 
But because you guys are out there, you know, me and Walid almost feel obligated to get an episode out to you guys. We try to do them every week, but, you know, sometimes our work schedules are a little uh, crazy. And Walid over here is a fucking studying to be a rocket scientist and shit. So, yeah. you know, he's got that going on because he's brilliant. Thank you. But anyways, 2020 for Native MMA Radio is going to be great. I want to do possibly NativeMMA.com and uh, just continue this great thing and ride this wave of momentum. Wally Wall, thank you for joining me this year. Thank you for continually doing everything that you do. And uh, hats off and can't wait for another one, man. All right, brother. My pleasure. Uh, see you next week, man, for episode 54. Everyone have a good one and we'll see you next week. Peace.